tell me one weather app that is accurate slash reliable. Oh, wait. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today we're going to be looking back at the eight games in the NBA from Sunday, previewing the seven games for Monday for DFS and looking at week 21 in total. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. Let's get to it indeed. We will start where we always do on this show. Monstrous line of the night. And not only starting where we always do with the monstrous line of the night, but starting by announcing James Harden is the winner of the monstrous line of the night. 42 points with six triples, seven rebounds, four assists, two steals, one block, 14 of 31 for 45% from the field and eight of nine from the free throw line. Harden was fantastic yet again, and he keeps building on his number one ranked fantasy performance. There's not much more that I need to say. He's even more valuable if you're punting field goal percentage, of course. Really, really strong numbers from Harden all throughout the season. A little bit of a dip about a week or two ago, but we can get back up at the moment. And uh, big, big numbers. I don't really know what else I can say about what James Harden has done this season. It's been ridiculous, and it has uh, really elevated plenty of fantasy teams right across the board. Waiver wire line of the night. Waiver wire line of the night. Alex Len. Yes, of the uh, of the Atlanta Hawks. Len made a start alongside the Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, with John Collins out. Len played 27 minutes and he had 28 points, which included five triples, nine rebounds, two assists, blocked two shots, and was nine of 18 from the field. A bit of a disappointing five of eight from the free throw line, but otherwise just fantastic stuff from Len, and that is two. Absolutely massive games in a row. He has hit seven triples combined in his last two against the Bulls in that double overtime game. Triple overtime game, sorry. He had 24 and 10 with two blocks and two threes and now another big night. Of course, when Collins returns, I'm not really sure where Lynn's minutes go, but Mari Spellman, he is out for the next four weeks. So that does open up some extra minutes perhaps for Len. But the, these two games realistically have come because of uh, yeah, Collins' absence and the overtime performance and, and Deadman fouling out in that game against the Bulls. It also helps that it was against the Bulls, of course. And we know that big men put up big performances against uh, Chicago pretty uh, pretty commonly. I uh, look at Len as more of the, a 16-team option at this point, maybe 18-team and, and a streamer for 12s if Collins does happen to be out for the back-to-back on Monday for the Atlanta Hawks, but adding those three-pointers in for him is is absolutely massive. Seven across the last two games. Really, really strong stuff there from Alex Lynn. Not a player I really ever thought would be adding the three-pointer to his game like he has. The deep leaguer of the night goes to the Cornetto. Luke Cornett of the New York Knicks, back in the rotation for... Let's be honest, God knows what reason. 21 minutes for Cornet here, six points with three rebounds, two assists, but it's his defensive numbers that brought the value here. Two steals and three blocks for Cornet. He literally was not in the rotation the game before against the Cavs. He played four minutes against the Magic, didn't play against the Spurs, played 10 minutes against the Wolves. And of course, two games before that combined for 60 minutes in two two plus games. Absolutely no idea what the plan is, what the rotation is, what the use of this guy is going to be. 
Uh, we had, he had an opportunity to be the starting power forward, but then Lance Thomas came in and played 30 minutes, and then Thomas played 6 minutes in this game, and then Henry Allenson came in and played 25 minutes, and then he played 12 minutes, and Vonley played 28 or played 20. There is absolutely no rhyme, nor reason, nor consistency with any of this stuff that Fisdale does. So looking at this from Cornette and going, yeah, I like that defensive numbers, because who wouldn't? But there's absolutely no way of being able to know what he is going to do on a nightly basis, whether he's even going to play or suit up or see the court or start games. Look, he he will definitely have another stretch this season where he plays three games in a row of 20 plus minutes. It'll happen. And it might be the next two games after this. But there's no way of knowing. So we just leave Cornette on the wire. His value isn't high enough to be considered a, even a flyer or streamer type of guy because there is zero consistency in anything that the Knicks do uh, with Fisdale and his rotations. Let's go on to the next one. Young Gun of the Night. Speaking of the Knicks and Fisdale, Mitchell Robinson, at least we feel decently confident about what he's going to do. He's our Young Gun of the Night. 23 minutes, which is frustratingly low in a game where DeAndre Jordan didn't play. 16 and 13 with four blocks, and he only had the three fouls. So again, just, a, just more nonsense from Fisdale. Just play this guy as many minutes as you can. Uh, seven of eight from the field, two of two from the line. It should go without saying that he's a must-roster player. Over the last two weeks, Mitchell Robinson's the eighth-ranked fantasy basketball player. Eighth. 12 and 10 with four blocks on 74% shooting, and he's hitting 82% of his free throws. In fact, started off the season terribly with his free throws, but over the last month, he's at 75%. Over the last 19 games, he's at 61%. So if that part of his game's coming around, then there's no reason that in the future he couldn't be a top 20 player and maybe even higher. We're seeing the uh, the parts of that being laid down now. As often happens, though, with young guys, their block rate does decline as their career goes on. As they get a little bit more cautious, learn to be a bit more um, conservative in, in their defense, and that does limit. We've seen it with so many guys at Barker, Whiteside, all these guys who put up stupidly high block numbers. It does tend to decrease as their career goes on, and we can say that everyone's going to be the exception to that rule, but in, in general, no one's the exception to that rule. So you'd imagine that some of his block rate will end up coming down at some point. But it has obviously been a, a massively strong run, run from Robinson. There's absolutely no reason he shouldn't be rostered in, in pretty much every league at uh, at this stage in the in the season. There's, there's absolutely no reason. And I don't actually care if he gets into foul trouble. He's not really getting into foul trouble at the moment. He is just putting up consistently good game after good game. And uh, the only thing limiting him is the bloke in the suit and the glasses. I tell a man's not hot. The dud of the night is Johnny Isaac of the uh, of the Orlando Magic. Isaac had been playing really well. This is a disappointing game for him and for the Magic in general. Just the 25 minutes as they lost to the Cavs. 7-4 and four with two assists and a block. Three of eight from the field. Now, it's far from a disaster of, of a performance. The last couple of games from him haven't been spectacularly good. 12-8 and eight against the Pacers in 28 minutes. 12-4 and four in 26 against the Warriors. But he's doing what he needs to do. He's getting his blocks. He's scoring okay. Today was just a little bit of a disappointment from John Isaac. Still is a must-roster guy, a top 60 player over the last week, even though the, the recent performances have dipped that number down. And in large part, the dip in his rank, which you look like. Last month, 56th. Last two weeks, 148th. Now, that's a big drop. And you go, what's going on there? Well, the free throws went from 77% and they're down to 50% over the last six games, meaning over those last, um, you know, there was much higher. In fact, his uh, free throws over the last four games, he is one, uh, one of four over the last four games from the line. And that has really dropped his overall uh, overall ranking numbers and, uh, and value down. 
Um, and that's where that's where that gets reflected in that rank number. It makes you think, oh, is he 140th over the last two weeks? Is he a rosterable player? Yeah, he is, because he is not that bad of a free-throw shooter, and he will continue to, to be a significant part of this rotation. Today was a stinker, no doubt about that. Hopefully, it didn't cost you anything in fantasy playoffs or in the bid to get into the fantasy playoffs, but it just wasn't a good night from John Isaac. The Goats of the Night plus minus, the best net rating went to Garrett Temple of the LA Clippers as they smacked the Knicks, and the worst net rating went to Marcus Morris, a negative 120 for the Celtics. Morris is struggling in a massive way at the moment, and I do not, he's not a 12 team league guy, simple as that. I've stressed about this all season that so much of his value is because he's shooting like eight percentage points higher from the field than any point in his career, and now that has dropped back off. Therefore, his value has dropped back off and he's better as a streamer, a 14-team league player, more than a 12-team league guy. That's sort of where we are at with old Marcus Morris. Let's go into these eight games now across the league and talk about what went down. The first one we look at, the early game, the Portland Trailblazers. They beat the Charlotte Hornets. Ennis Cantor was back after his visa issues. 19 minutes, 6 and 8, 2 of 8 from the field. This is playing out very similarly to how I thought it would play out. He is not a 12-team league guy, so if you still got Cantor, move on from him. The minutes just aren't there. And those first two games, the production was just not likely to sustain at that level, and that's what we're seeing. Rocket Rodney Hood went bananas, 21 points in the fourth quarter for 27 in total with two steals and three triples. Before you get ready to give the old Dutch rider to Rocket Rodney here, go and have a look at his game log, and that will tell you, you know what, this is a fluke. He does this occasionally, and I want to, I'd want to see 20 in a row, I reckon, of these from Hood before I feel any level of trust in him. Lillard had 23 points, while Nurkic had 26, 15, and 6. Strong, strong game from Nurk, and got to the line 11 times, hitting 10 of them. That's massive from him. While it was an absolute turburger from CJ McCollum, 6 points on 13 shots. He did have the 6 assists, but he has been so up and down with his shooting this season, and field goal percentage has been way off uh, for most of the year, really uh, torpedoing his overall value. Uh, Mo Harkless struggled a bit here, but still brought eight assists, sorry, eight rebounds and two steals, and that's enough to have him as a 12-team guy, but not for everyone. If you're looking for those defensive numbers with some rebounding and generally high field goal percentage, he can help you there, but he's not going to be a guy for everybody. For the Hornets, Jeremy Lamb really thriving in this bench role. The first couple of games when he went to the bench, he was barely playing. I think he didn't even get to 20 minutes in one of those games, but now we're really seeing him take control of that second unit. 23 points in 34 minutes with five rebounds on 69% shooting. Giggity! A must-roster player, while Miles Bridges is starting, but he's not good. 10-5 and five in 17 minutes. He's a long way from being a good fantasy option. It wasn't a good Kemba Walker night because he took 21 shots and hit five of them. Still had 18 points with 12 assists, but that, uh, that field goal percentage is a tough one. While Cody Zeller, this is two bad games in a row from Zeller. Nine points in 21 minutes. Now, I'm not sure if James Borrego is uh, is really massively keen on Frank Kaminsky, and that's what's limiting Zeller because Kaminsky's minutes have been well up in the last couple. I'm not really 100% sure that that's going to be the case, but it's worth watching. If he has another game in the low 20s of minutes, Zeller, then I would be, uh, I'd feel a bit better about uh, moving on from him. But uh, Frank Kaminsky taking all of uh, Kid Gilchrist's minutes at the moment in an interesting uh, an interesting turn of events, not something I necessarily thought I would see coming for Frank, who'd been out of the rotation for such a long time, and then a, a weird, uh, weird switch up here. 
with him getting these extra minutes as Monk and Kid Gilchrist get removed, and uh, yeah, we see uh, we see these other guys get some uh, get some more minutes, like Kaminsky, a bit of a weird one. Frank can be an option in say eighteen team leagues if he's going to be getting all these backup power forward minutes, which he he seems to be getting, and backup center and some backup center minutes, but not a uh, not something we can completely bank on. Batum was pretty strong, and but most importantly played forty two minutes, so he is a twelve team league guy at this point. Next game, we look at the Rockets beat the Celtics 115-104. Chrissy Paul had 15-6-12, and Eric Gordon got red hot, hit eight triples with 32 points, three assists, 61% shooting. Of course, he's not as good as this most nights, and he is more of a fringe 12 to definitely a fringe 10-team league guy. And a fringe 12-team league guy, he just doesn't do this all that often. Kenneth Freed was ruled out about halfway through the first quarter, so that was always awesome to know. I don't think we really need to be holding Fareed in 12-team formats while Capella is continuing to struggle, 8 and 9 in his 34 minutes. For the Celtics, Marcus Smart, great again, 18-4 and 6, 3 triples. He was a 50% shooting from the field. He hit all 7 of his free throws, and he remains criminally under-rostered. 39% for Marcus Smart across Yahoo leagues. There's absolutely no reason that he shouldn't be a 60-plus, 70% guy. He's the 97th ranked player over the course of this season. Look, that's good enough, and that's at 8.5 points. But over the last two months, he's scoring over 10 a game. He's not hurting your field goal percentage as much as you might think. 44% over the last 26 games. Four assists, one and a half steals, over two triples, great free throws. He should be rostered in a lot more leagues, and he should pretty much be rostered in all 12-team formats, not necessarily by you, but definitely he has a, an ability to be a, a guy who is who is rostered in those leagues. And I don't understand the, the reticence to having him, um, yeah, the, the reticence to having him uh, rostered. It just seems that it's a, very much of a callback to him being that guy that I oh, just kills my free throws and, and we, uh, and we can't deal with that because the numbers are fine from him at the moment. Kyrie 24, nine and six Jalen Brown outperformed Gordon Haywood, who there is zero reason to roster him in 12 team leagues. Haywood, 6 2 and 4 for him. And Jason Tatum struggles, continued 12 points on 15 shots. Jalen is, is a 14 team league guy, and I'm not rushing to add him in those 12s. While Marcus Morris, zero points in 18 minutes. Again, as I said, definitely a droppable 12 team league guy and could be very close to a droppable 14 team league player as well. The Atlanta Hawks and the Chicago Bulls, the rematch here. The Hawks win it again, 123-118. Trey Young was ejected on literally the worst call you'll ever see. And some people actually defend this call. Oh, man, he stared down the player. Literally, who gives a shit? I, I couldn't care if the players st- st- stared, stored, stared, stared. That's right. I couldn't care if they stared down their opponents. I couldn't I couldn't give a shit if they did uh, crotch chops on them. I, I couldn't care if they went up to him and stuck their finger up at him. What, who who gives a shit? He did not say a single word to Chris Dunn, whose back was down. He hit a massive long three and stared him down. So the refs, who are the pettiest, most sensitive uh, sporting officials that I've ever seen in any sort of uh, sport, just basketball refs in general tend to have that reputation. But man, nobody gives a shit if he stares it down, apart from those dickheads in the grey shirts. And apologies to any refer- NBA referees listening, but that is an indefensible call. And you say, oh, it's taunting. Who cares? And if the NBA is instructing the refs to, to eject players for this, fingers out of your assholes as well and do something about it because it's just not something that literally anybody wants to see. Not true. Not literally because some people said, oh, I shouldn't be taunting, shouldn't be doing that. It's not a good look. Cool. 
I think if nothing, ninety nine percent of people would agree that that was absolute bullshit. That Trey Young was uh, was ejected for staring down. In the park. I, I want to see more of this. Bring more WWE stuff into the game. Get guys really talking at it. Like, no one wants them fighting. No one wants them. You know, wasting. You're not getting back on defense because they're too busy celebrating. No one wants any of that. But any something like this, who gives a shit? I, I just cannot understand why you would eject a player after this. There's a player called BJ Johnson, and he played in this game. 19 minutes, 11 points with three triples, with Prince out, Spellman out, and Collins out. He got some run. Hit all four of his shots. Don't think we need to worry too much about him. And with Young getting ejected, Jalen Adams stepped up. Now, Adams is a guy I talked about quite a lot at the start of the season for dynasty purposes. I thought there'd be an opportunity for him late in the season. We're getting that. 14 points, four triples, four rebounds, four assists. He is absolutely a deep league add to me. 20-teamers, 18-teamers, 16 not quite, but there's an opportunity there. Uh, the Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, 13 and 12, while Baysmore struggled. He started, but only played 27 minutes, and he, he shouldn't be rostered in any 12-team format. It was also a below-average night for Bembry and Herder, although Herder's 12, 1 and 3 with two steals is, is not too bad. And if he hit both his free throws, the game would have looked a lot better for Kevin. He's more of a, a stock-standard 14-team league guy, fan of pants. Um, in 12s, he's sort of in and out. Chris Dunn, 14, 4, and 6 with two steals. He recovered from the, the absolute terribleness of getting stared down. He was able to get him, pull himself together and put up a decent enough line. He's still rostered in just 62% of leagues. People are really quick on the old uh, pull to, to drop him, go and add him. Lopez had 16 and 6, I believe. He's a 12-team league guy. While the minutes were limited right across the board from the Bulls after that triple overtime game. Uh, 28 minutes for Levine for 12 points. 19 and 9 for Mark, and then in 29 minutes. While Timotei Lawawu Cabarro started for the resting Otto Porter. He didn't do a huge amount there as well. Wayne Seldon got the bulk of those small forward minutes. Next game up, the Clippers... They beat the Knicks 128-107. It looked like it was going to be a larger blowout than this. Of course, Noah Vonley was the random surprise player here. 28 minutes, 17 and 12 with a block. He'd been starting for a while over Mitchell Robinson for God knows what reason, but he's so up and down with his production and playing time that he's probably more of a 16-teamer. Emmanuel Moutier played more minutes than Dennis Smith. 29 for Moutier, 28 for Smith. Moutier had 16-4 and 3 with 3 steals. He's more of a streamer and definitely more of a points league guy, while Smith had 8-1 and 6 with 2 steals. The way Fisdale has treated him since Moutier has returned gives me worry about his long-term or short-term value for standard leagues this season. The Fort Kevin Knox is on an absolutely brutal stretch. Uh, six points in 24 minutes. Surely nobody has anything to do with him in 10 or 12-team leagues at this point. While uh, Damo Dotson had 17 in his 29 minutes and Tria had 16 in his 25. Henry Allenson, who'd been playing well, had five points in 15 minutes again. The ability to trust any of these guys' playing time is impossible. Landry Shamet knocked in seven triples for his 21 points. That is two massive games in a row for Shamet. Of course, um, he offers you nothing else apart from threes. He had three rebounds and literally no other stats. And when the shots aren't going in, he's not taking threes like this. He offers very little value. He's a stream option for threes, despite the fact that he's starting. He's not a must-roster guy. Shea Gildas-Alexander is starting to come up. 15-3-4, two triples, 29 minutes. And that's about three strong games in a row from Shea. And I'm pretty interested to see where this goes with Doc Rivers and Gildas-Alexander, who seems to be trusting him a little bit more. Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly had their minutes reduced due to the blowout, or Ivitz Zubats had a solid enough game, but he's more of a 14 to 16 team league player. Montrez Harrell also was not needed to extend himself 18 and 5 in only 28 minutes as they really handed it to the Knicks. 
The Cavs beat the Magic 107-93. Nikola Vucevic, 28-13-6, two steals and two blocks on 81% shooting, an absolute monster from him. Well, DJ Augustin was questionable heading into the game with an ankle sprain, but he ended with 19-5-5 in 29 minutes. He's not good enough to be a relied-upon every-night 12-team league guy, but he's a strong stream player when the schedule suits, when his schedule suits mixes into the open roster spots on your teams and you need point guards, he can provide that. Gordon had 15 and 8, while I uh, talked about Johnny Isaac struggling, and Terry Ross also dreadful. One of 12 from the field for two points. He will very, very likely bounce back next game, and he is still a 12 team league guy. Chetty Osman continues to do very well when playing alongside Kevin Love. 14 and 6 with three steals and two triples. Uh, a 12 team guy, I believe, while uh, the Padawan Colin Sexton, at least he had some assists here, two of them, 17 points with a three and a steal, and some solid enough numbers. More points leagues than category leagues, but still more 14 team than anything. Larry Nance started with Ante Zizic out and Tristan Thompson out, 11-7-4 in 32 minutes, but our level of faith in him should be really, really low, and if you're looking to stream a spot, he could be an option to go, while Kevin Love had 16-14, and but shot the ball very, very poorly. Marquis Chris started and was bad. No one should be shocked about that. The Washington Wizards blew out the Minnesota Timberwolves, 135-121. Carl Anthony Towns started slowly. Um... But ended up with a uh, with a with a really strong performance there with the uh, with, what did he end up twenty eight and uh, twenty eight and ten um, after starting out yeah really poorly seven assists as well Taj Gibson also played well fourteen and ten in twenty one minutes it helps when you go up a front against a front court of Bryant and Portis uh, Gibson more of that deeper league sort of a player. Um, Tyus Jones minutes down unfortunately well Derek Rose only the 24 minutes had 18 points but just does very very little else apart from that and I think Rose is definitely on the drop list for 12 team formats Andy Wiggins ugh, if you don't need points I think he, you consider him almost like Derek Rose especially for 10 team leagues not a must roster guy while the Dario Saric experiment ended weeks ago but if you're still holding on don't he's uh, struggling 13 points in 22 minutes for the Wizards, Jabari Parker got really hot. 22 points on 69% shooting. Giggity! Really, really good stuff from Parker here. Two blocks of steel is strong as well. We, we can't rely upon it. It's a 16-team must-roster guy. He's 14-team okay, 12, probably not. While Brad Beal didn't play 40 minutes to be uh, to be a surprise. 22, 7, and 8 with three steals, while Punch Bob had 26 and 12. Strong from him, but he'd been poor before that. And, of course, absolutely zero in the defensive columns and... If I wasn't sitting down, I'd probably fall over again. He didn't have a single assist. Uh, so Portis is, is a fine for 12 team leagues, but not a must-roster guy. It wasn't a good night from Ariza from the line. Three of five for 16 points and only ended up playing 26 minutes as Sammy Decker got hot out of nowhere. 11 points on his four shots. Um, the next game up, we've got the Toronto Raptors. A disappointing overtime loss by the Raptors to the Pistons. No Kawhi Leonard. He was resting. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> so that meant that we got a good game from OG Ananobi. Hello there. 13 and 6 for the Jedi in 35 minutes. Just always remember these games that if Leonard does leave and Ananobi can step up, I still think he's got really high upside. Marcus Sol 38 minutes, Serge Ibaka 20. That's very, very important. That's two games in a row where Gasol has significantly outplayed Ibaka. Ibaka's not a must drop. But he's getting pretty close to being an expendable option. Five and eleven in his twenty minutes, while Gasol had thirteen, eight and five. This seemed, and this was a night where Gasol shot two of ten. This always seemed to be the the way that the the Raptors were going to go. It seems we're here now, and I don't really see it reversing course. I could be wrong on that. I just don't see that reversing course. Jeremy Lin was a disaster. He started for Kawhi and had one point on O of eight shooting with two assists. 
he's still more of that 14 or 16 team league player. For the Pistons, the Duck, Luke Kennard, 19 points in 35 minutes with five triples and five assists. Really thriving in this bench role. And I don't care if he starts or plays off the bench as long as he plays 30 minutes. And these are really good numbers that could make use in a 12-team league. But for the week coming up, the Pistons play three games. And all three of those games are on low-volume days. Meaning if you added Kennard, you might not even be able to use him for a single game this week. So that's a disappointing thing uh, when looking at that schedule. Griffin had 27-7. and Drummond had 15-7. and And Reggie Jackson, another strong performance, 19-3-4. Now, I think if, if Jackson's on your wire, you could look to add him. But again, will you actually play him on those three games for this coming week? A lot of cases will be, the answer will be no. Um, the Grizzlies uh, winning most of this game against the Thunder, but lose it in the end, 99-95. No Mike Conley. He had general soreness. Um, Avery Bradley was massive, 27-5-7 and on 58% shooting. Struggled a bit down the end of the game. I still don't believe that he is a must-roster player. I think he can be in the mix of guys that you stream in for 12-team leagues. Uh, in 14-teamers, he is probably a guy you want to add. Um, there's, he just isn't this level of a shooter, and the, the assists have been well up lately as well, which is really adding to his value. So he's playing well, no doubt about it, but I still just have my concerns. I like Dylan Wright a lot, 17-8-6 with two steals and a block, really thriving without Conley. They should be just seeing everything they can get from Wright here, and I think Conley's going to have more rest days, and I think Dylan is fine for 12-team formats. Valanciunas had 16-13 and 13 and played 32, so that's great, while Bruno had 11-4 and four with a block, uh, more of that deeper league guy. But I think he's going to be a relatively consistent part of the rotation. Interestingly, Valanciunas played 36 minutes, 32 minutes, sorry, and Joachim Noah played just the 16. Now, Noah had been playing alongside Valanciunas for a little bit, and the minutes had been up. So Noah had been that back-end 12-team league guy, but if you're looking just to stream a spot, then you feel okay about moving on from him. Justin Holiday was trash, seven points with two steals, really just a steals stream specialist at this point. No Paul George for the Thunder, so Schroeder started. He played 41 minutes and had 17, 12, and 6. Two steals and a block on a brutal 27% shooting. Once George is back, the value disappears from Schroeder. Same with Abdul Nadir, who had 15 in his 23. He is just a deeper league guy. Uh, Adams had 22 boards with a block on one of six free throws, which is bad. Russell Westbrook, of course, pissed all over your percentages, 35 from the field and 67 from the line, but 22, 6, and 5 is still pretty okay. And Markeith Morris only played 15 minutes. That opportunity for him to start lasted one half, and he is uh, he has cooked and should not be rostered in anything outside of the very, very deepest of fantasy formats at this stage. For those of you listening on audio, you have got the uh, weekly weekly preview coming up now on the video. We're going to go straight in and talk some DFS. So let's do that right now. All right, guys, let's take a look at the week 21 schedule for the NBA for fantasy basketball, helping your teams for weekly lineup blocks and daily changes leagues as well, as well as some free agents to have a look at and target who are going to be almost definitely available on your waiver wire. Let's start by looking at the teams with the best and the worst schedule for this upcoming week. The New York Knicks have the best schedule for the week. They play four games, which is the highest amount of any team. There are a few others that play those four games. Of course, not just the Knicks, but their ease of opponents give them the best schedule. They have on they have the Kings, 
They have the Suns, and they have the Kings again, and they have the Timberwolves, all teams which are really positives in terms of providing fantasy value. Now, of course, we know with the Knicks, any sort of consistency um, with any of these players is pretty tough to bank on, but you know, we've got guys that we can at least take flyers on. With this squad, of course, Mitch Robinson needs to be rostered in all leagues, but you can look at even guys like Damo Dotson, Alonzo Trier, Emmanuel Moutier, Henry Allenson, Noah Vonley. They're going to be decent enough stream options for the week. And you're going to have, uh, you know, for looking at locking these guys into weekly lineups, it can be tough with a lot of these Knicks players, but the positivity of their schedule for this upcoming week does make it a little bit less painful. On the flip side, in terms of the team who has the worst schedule this week, one of two teams that plays only two games, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Clippers are that other team. The Cavs don't play again until Wednesday. They play also on Friday. They take on the Nets and the Heat. Two teams who are below average in terms of uh, strength of opponent or above average, however you want to uh, phrase it. They're, they're negative matchups for the uh, for the Cavs is what I am getting at. With those guys, they also play on decently high volume days as well. You're not going to be looking to lock many of those Cavs players into lineups. The only one you'd really even consider is Kevin Love. And even then, you wouldn't be looking too closely at him. Chetty Osman, uh, Ante Zizic, Larry Nance... Uh, Colin Sexton, who aren't, and these, a lot of these guys aren't even rosterable players in 12 team leagues. So pretty much no Cleveland guy is going to be a must roster or must lock in lineup guy for this upcoming week with just the two games on, uh, on a deck for those guys. Let's have a look more at this week now, week 21. Uh, the way the games break down, we've got seven games Monday, six games Tuesday, so really nice stream days to start this week. We have 10 on Wednesday and two on Thursday, so really low volume Thursday there. Nine Friday, six Saturday, and nine Sunday. So we're really looking to stream Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, but there's actually a chance that you'll be able to stream on that Friday, Sunday as well, and the 10 game Wednesday is probably the only day where streaming might be a little bit difficult. So if we just look at the ones where we're almost definitely going to be able Able to stream. We've got that back-to-back situation on Monday, Tuesday. Unfortunately, no teams have a back-to-back on Monday, Tuesday, which is a, a little bit annoying in terms of our purposes. So then we look to the next pseudo back-to-back, which is the Tuesday, Thursday. Now, only four teams play on Thursday, but three of those teams also play Tuesday. The Portland Trailblazers, the Indiana Pacers, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. So adding those guys from Tuesday... Uh, guys from those teams, and then they play again on Thursday. You can get two for the price of one waiver acquisition. So guys in Portland, maybe you're looking at Mo Harkless, maybe you're looking at Jake Lehman, maybe you're looking at Rocket Rodney Hood, hoping he can repeat what he did on Sunday, which is probably unlikely. Uh, maybe you're looking at Wes Matthews of the Pacers. Getting that two for one there can be really important. Uh, for your fantasy basketball team. The next pseudo back-to-back we look at is Thursday and Saturday to see where the teams, there is any streaming options there. You've got the Bucks who have a Thursday, Saturday. It's also at the start of a three-game in four-night stretch for Milwaukee. So there's, I think there's going to be some rest there, whether that's Bledsoe or Brogdon or Giannis or Middleton or Lopez. Someone will potentially rest during that three- and four-game slate. Now, whether that's on the Saturday game against Charlotte remains to be seen, but that could open up value for Ursan Ilyasov or Nikola Mirotic. Uh, for any of the, the guards as well. So extra value coming towards guys like Pat Connaughton, perhaps, who's really been stepping up in George Hill's absence. 
Uh, the other Thursday, Saturday option, you've got the Blazers who have that great, you pick up a guy on Tuesday for Portland. You can play them Tuesday, you can play them Thursday, you can play them Saturday, and the Saturday game is against the Suns. So some real value there uh, in, in those Blazers guys. And they're the only two pseudo back-to-backs for that Thursday, Saturday slate that we've got. As I've already mentioned, Portland have that really strong schedule. The Bucks also have three of their games being quality games this week. The only two teams who have three quality games. So they're going to be a real target for streamers. And I've highlighted some options for those guys already. On the flip side, the Pistons have three games this week and absolutely zero of them occur on streaming days. So guys who are playing well at the moment, the Duck Luke Kennard, for example, is probably the main one, the Duke Wayne Ellington, uh, even Reggie Jackson, he probably does slide into your best lineup. Looking to stream these guys or add them, you may not even get a game out of them. So Kennard was great across the weekend, fantastic performance on Saturday. But if you add him for this week, you might get zero games out of him. You're looking to stream in Ellington for threes. You might be better going with another option, Landry Shamit, uh, Reggie Bullock with the Lakers. You might actually actually get to play those players. And that's um, you know, really important when looking at this because you know, the three games and the streaming is all, is all nice. But if you can't actually fit them into your active roster, then it's all obviously pointless. The majority of teams this week do play three games. As I mentioned, two teams playing uh, two games, the Clippers and the Cavs, while the Knicks, the Heat, the Bucks, the Wolves, the Hawks, the Suns, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Sixers, and the Bulls all have four games for this coming week. Let's take a look now at some players who we can have a look at as options to stream in for this week, but also having some long-term value. Dwight Powell's pretty much a must-roster rider. Mitch Robinson, he's one who's still available in over 50% of leagues. He needs to be rostered everywhere. Dwight Powell, uh, he needs to be rostered everywhere. 30-plus minutes for three consecutive games. Looks to be locked in as the starting center in Dallas. Strong week for him as well with four games. An absolute must-roster, I believe, at least for this week. Kelly Olynyk. Last game, Jim Johnson for the Heat was healthy and didn't play, and we've seen Olenek go go off. Now, I've been a big fan of Olenek for quite a while. If you give him 30-plus a night, he's a comfortable top 100, probably top 70 guy, but the minutes have waxed and waned. At the moment, they're in the upper portion of that. I don't know if that's waxing or waning, but he's in the high level there. So you add him, and you see where it goes. The Heat have got four games. He could very well play 60 minutes across three of those games, or he could play 60 minutes in the first two of those games. The Spolster rotations continue to be frustrating, and we just don't know how that'll play out, but you can't really leave him alone on the wire. Kent Bazemore, uh, who's not great, but there is some stream value with four games with potential absences from Torian Prince. We've got you know, illnesses striking down John Collins. So there is an option there for Bazemore and Robin Lopez in Chicago. The last two games haven't been great, but it's a four-game week for the Bulls. He's getting big minutes every night. And that extra game that he has value over some of these other players who you might be looking at, say it's Willie Cauley-Stein of the Kings who only plays three games and whose minutes are up because Bagley's out, maybe you do look for Lopez as a really interesting ad for this week coming ahead. McCall Bridges of the Suns, the four games gives him a bit of a boost. We know what he does. His assists have been up lately, but the defensive numbers in the threes, you're not looking for scoring. He's outplaying someone like Josh Jackson most of the time. Justice Winslow is available in more leagues than necessary. Um, this is a good opportunity for him as well. I've been a bit lukewarm on him, but with four games compared to the majority of teams playing three, value there. Kevin Herter, um, yeah, probably not a must-roster guy just at this point with how he's been going, but this week does offer that opportunity for him to be used with four games coming up for the Hawks. And then you've got Derek White, who's a must-roster in every single league, every single format, but he's available in over 50% of Yahoo leagues. So I've got to mention him here. 
but I'll mention it this way. Add him. I don't care about the schedule. You just add him everywhere. The Spurs only play three games, but it doesn't matter. Derek White needs to be rostered in every single league, and he isn't. Check Diallo, another guy who's really significantly outplaying Jali Lokafor. I really like what Diallo can do. He needs 25 a night to be a consistent top 100 guy. But for this week, again, even if he plays 21 or 22 or not, or even 19 a night, the four games, you can maybe play him 80, 85 minutes across those four games. Maybe Davis sits out one of them and we get to 90, 95 minutes. That's the equivalent of a three-game guy playing 30 minutes a night. And finding a three-game, 30-minute-a-night, high-fantasy-producing player is not an easy thing to do on your wire or at the back end of your roster. So Diallo, for this week, when he's got that significant advantage, and while four games versus three games doesn't seem like much, a three-game player going to a four-game player, it's a 33% increase in overall volume of games played, which might not necessarily translate into minutes, but it could be a 20-25% increased minutes load for those guys. And when when the majority of teams play four games, is less important. But when the majority play three, getting that extra game can be a real advantage. And Diallo is that guy who does really fit into that mold for this week. So, yeah, a, a bunch of guys there. Derek White and Dwight Powell are the absolute must-roster guys. You've got Winslow and Alinek. I'd probably put in that next band of players. Uh, Lopez and Diallo in the, in the next group, and then guys like Bazemore and Bridges, probably at the lower end. But there's some names to consider who are available in a shit ton of leagues, way too many leagues that, that, that they should be rostered in, uh, and there's opportunities for them to go out there and have pretty strong weeks. If your playoffs have started, good luck to you if you're making that final charge towards the playoffs. Good luck to you. If you're in a Roto League and looking to get the championship there, of course, good luck to you as well. And that is the Week 21 preview. And we go straight into the perfect lineups on DraftKings for the main slate. Dennis Schroeder, Avery, Bradley, Jabari, Parker, Punchbob, Nikola Vucevic, Delon Wright, Kevin Love, and Kyle Lowry for 372.75 points. And that cost $48,500. And on Fangel, Paul, Lowry, Harden, Avery, Bradley, Hood, Jabari, Cornette, Vonley, and Nurkic for a total of 378.8. And that cost $59,500. It is. All right, let's take a look at these games for Monday. Seven games across the NBA. We're going to be looking at DraftKings pricing for this slate. The first game we look at, the Dallas Mavericks traveling to take on the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets five and a half point favorites and the total 224, which in fact, of all the totals that have been released so far, it's the lowest total across all of the games. The Nets need a win to keep themselves in that playoff spot. The Mavericks, of course, pretty much out of contention in the West. At point guard, Jalen the Burner Brunson, he has started the last couple of games, had a strong one, then a poor one. At 3,800, he is absolutely worth the look. Point guards have played pretty well against the Nets in recent times. So I think Brunson at that 3,800 is a strong GPP guy, even with some cash value, I believe. Karis LeVert at 5,300. Now, only be looking at him for tournaments. Hasn't quite been where he was pre-injury to be to be expected. And Spencer Dinwiddie at 5,000. I just think there are going to be better options on the board than Spence, who's looked okay since returning in the two games from his thumb injury, but nothing that would make that look like an absolute lock play. 
As for D'Angelo Russell, the salary is coming down. He's at 8,000, struggling a little bit over the last couple. Some of that would be the Levert factor and the Dinwiddie factor combined. I think we have to look at Russell as a guy that can easily go for 50, but probably is in the average or floor range of about 34, 35, which isn't quite where he needs to be at that $8,000 mark. Doncic is at 9,100, who prior to last game had been putting up some pretty strong numbers. I like Doncic. I like him better than, say, Russell, even though I've got to spend $1,100 more. For the shooting guard, smoking Joe Harris is at 44, really just a tournament guy. And, and the blue swimmer, Alan Crabb, has been trashed the last couple of games. Not really interested in him in any sort of DFS format. Timmy Hardaway down to 5,000. He can very, very easily get to that number. So I like him as a tournament guy, but really no floor value in Hardaway. And then looking at some small forwards, Damari Carroll's at 37. That's not really doing it for me. Finney Smith, who's come off the bench the last couple of games for Brunson to start, also not really a um, not really a, a super interesting guy here for me. Rowdy Rodion's Kurooks, who could start with uh, Trevion Graham out or doubtful uh, at power forward. They could go with Jared Dudley. They could also go with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, but I don't think any of those guys are going to uh, find themselves as good DFS plays. For the big man, Dirk's at 3,200, and while I think there's limited upside in Dirk, he's been getting us about 20 a night over the last five. He started the last few. He's playing low 20s in minutes, and you get me 20-odd points at 3,200. It's enough to build some other high-priced guys around, whether that's LeBron or Yanni or however else you want to build your lineup. You can put that in and feel, I guess, relatively comfortable. I think a lot of people will be off Jarrett Allen, whose last couple of games have been disappointing with a 10-point game last time Brooklyn played. At 4,900, it's a nice price reduction from Allen. And I think that turns him into a strong GPP guy. Well, on the other side, I think Dwight Powell is a massive cash play. 5,200, he's averaging 36 in the last three, 35 minutes a game. And we know that centers against the Nets has been a successful option pretty much all season. Kleber, Ed Davis, not really looking too closely at those guys. Over on Fangio, Dwight Powell again, 6,300. It's a high price, but I think there's value in him. Levert tournaments. Uh, D'Angelo at 9,100. I think given the pricing structure is a little bit more favorable on uh, on Fangio just in comparison to some of the other players. And Jarrett Allen, that's 64. That's pretty tough to invest in him. The 48 for Jalen Brunson also is relatively appealing. And Doncic at 98. I think there's good cash value in Doncic. Again, the Fangio pricing is extremely, extremely high, high across this slate, making finding uh, the real good value plays or the strong floor plays a relatively difficult task. Let's go on now to the second game of the day, the Atlanta Hawks and the Miami Heat. The Hawks are coming off that over, or not overtime, sorry, the back-to-back win against the Chicago Bulls. No spread or total at this point. For the Miami Heat, a couple of injuries we need to look at. Hassan Whiteside has missed the last couple. Goran Dragic, the iron shoulder, missed last game. He's uh, questionable with a calf strain. And for the Hawks, the artist formerly known as Prince, uh, Torian Prince, in fact, I don't expect him to actually play on Monday. He was out Sunday for the birth of his child. I imagine he'll also be out Monday, while the Baptist John Collins has missed with flu-like symptoms. And that could really open up some value for Alex Len, who went bananas on uh, on Sunday. So some re- interesting options, of course, if Whiteside is out, you get your Bam out of bio and Kelly Olenek really, really uh, having that huge opportunity to thrive. At point guard, $5,000 for Dwayne Wade. Um, yeah, I really like what Wade's been doing. He's been a relatively consistent floor guy, and this is a massively positive matchup. While the iron shoulder, his last two games in limited minutes have been excellent. That's Goran Dragic. 
Um, we don't know if he's going to play. The matchup really suits him. I'd only feel comfortable with him in a tournament because putting up those sort of numbers in 21, 22 minutes is not a, uh, and not a recipe for uh, sustained success. Justice Winslow's down at 5,700. I like the salary for Winslow, even though it has bumped up $700 from last time. Not, not the greatest of plays, but still some value. While Trey Young, his recent averages are really dulled by the fact that he got ejected in that bullshit fashion today. 29 points in only 18 minutes, but still, with that included, he's averaging 59 over the last three. He's all the way up to 9,300. The Heat are really good at defending opposition point guards. Trey is probably more of a tournament guy. Jalen Adams has shone out today with 26 points and minimum salary, but of course that's because Trey was ejected. DeAndre Bembry's at 3,500. Um, it didn't do a huge amount today, but still 23 points, and at 3,500, that's strong. With Prince out, there is value for Bembry. I like him as a GPP guy. Same with our fan of pants, Kevin Herter at 4,000. He's a, a GPP upside guy. Dion Wade is not interested. Joshie Richardson, I like what Richardson's been doing, probably more at this point of a cash guy. Uh, than a uh, than a tournament guy, but still some value in him. While Baysmore is a GPP option at forty nine hundred, who should start in place of Prince again. For your small forwards, Vince Carter, yeah, that's not really going to work for me. Derek Jones Jr. is at thirty six. I think if Whiteside and Dragic are out, I would like throwing Jones into a GPP situation. For the big men, the Baptist John Collins, if he plays, I would be all over that at seven thousand one hundred. That should be a forty point opportunity for him. While Whiteside at sixty eight is probably more of a fade. Olenek at 53, really crushing it. We worry about the Spolstra rotations and how that's going to work, but with how he's playing, and last game James Johnson didn't play, even though he was healthy, Olenek should be in your uh, in your cash lineup or cash pool anyway, while the undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, at 6,400. He's giving us 30 a night relatively consistently. I like him, while Alex Len would be an absolute smash play if Collins is out. 49 points today, knocking threes in from everywhere. At $4,000, Len becomes a massive, massive, an absolute cash lock, I think, if John Collins happens to sit. While Bam Adebayo at 5600 I think he is a relatively strong cash option if Whiteside is sidelined again, and I would expect Hassan to miss. On Fangel, Bazemore at 44 is a good GPP guy, same as Dragic and Herder. Uh, Bembry, similarly. Um, Justice Winslow, probably a little bit too highly priced. And then you go to guys like Len at 37, which would, again, be the absolute smash play of the day if John Collins does happen to be sidelined. Collins himself had 8,000 on Fangel. is okay. And Trey Young comes in a lot better on Fangel at 92 than he does on DraftKings. Next up, we've got the Denver Nuggets. They are taking on the San Antonio Spurs. The Nuggets, one-point favorites, the total 228 here. The Nuggets have been a frustrating team for DFS purposes with minutes and touches and that being spread all over the place. We know last game, Nikola Jokic got into some foul trouble, which really limited his production. For the Spurs, Bryn Forbes is probable with that calf contusion. We've had Jakob Pertl start the last couple of games with Rudy Gay on the bench. Let's see if they go back to that against a Jokic-Millsap frontcourt. I would imagine the Spurs do again, but that's still uh, up for up for debate. At point guard, Derek White's at 4,900. Love, absolutely love this. He's giving us 30 a night consistently. He is the third best player on the Spurs, maybe. You, you could make that argument behind Aldridge and DeRozan. I think pretty clearly maybe Rudy Gay is in that discussion, but uh, White has been fantastic. Well, the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, an absolutely rock-solid floor. His lowest score in the last five is 32, and that's with Harris and Barton and Thomas all back. His playing time and minutes and production aren't going anywhere. The upsides may be a little bit uh, muted, but at 6,100, I love that floor for Jamal Murray. 
Pat Mills, Bryn Forbes, Malik Beasley, Monty Morris, Isaiah Thomas. I see no value in any of those guys. At shooting guard, Gaz Harris. Nice, Gary! Finally back starting last game. Had 14 points in 26 minutes. That's a very, very low price for Harris, of course, but the production's been nowhere near um, worthy of, of being higher than that. Uh, I think he's a GPP option here. Ballinelli, near DeRozan at 7,700. I like that for cash. Really strong cash play, I believe. While Farton, Will Barton's at 56. I think he's actually decently strong for cash with strong tournament upside as well. For the small forwards, Gay is at 5,700. I'm not really overly into that. Davis Bertans, similarly. At centre, Pirtle's at 4,100. Even last game, he struggled a bit. He still put up 25 in 26 minutes, and those it's those 26 minutes that are key for Pirtle. If he plays that again, he'll be really good value at that 4,100 price point. While LaMarcus is down to 7,700, he's giving us 40 a night consistently, so I like the value. As for Nikola Jokic, 10,300. Really, really like him as a high-price player here. Got into foul trouble last game. Still had 49 in 22 minutes. It should be an absolute dead set lock, 450, while Paul Millsap at 6,600. I think that might be just a little bit too high for Millsap. Uh, Mason Plumley, the other guy, really performing well. He had 31 points last game with Jokic in foul trouble. But even so, his last five, he's averaging 27 in 21 minutes, and that's enough to at least draw some value at 4,400. But I wouldn't be looking at him as my uh, must-roster type of a guy. On Fangio, Pirtle we love at 5,300 there. Jokic at 11-2. Uh, I think Gay at 59 is a better Fangio than DraftKings play. And Gaz Harris still got that upside. The 6,900 for Jamal Murray also. Probably a little bit high on Fangio, but we have to remember just how aggressively uh, priced these guys are. And I like Derek White at 62 on Fangio uh, significantly as well. The next game up, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are nine-point favorites. The total is 230 and a half. We might have three quarters of Anthony Davis. We might not have any at all at all, because he, after resting last game, is now feeling ill and may not play. That's going to really open it up for Czech Diallo and Jali Aloka for, for the... Um, for the Nets, Hull Neto is out again, giving us more Don Mitchell at point guard minutes and opening up more playing time for Kyle Korver and uh, Royce O'Neal, maybe even Tabo Cephalosha, even though he is as uh, less of a DFS option as anybody in the league. Shout out Tony Snell. At point guard, Don Mitchell, 8,300, crushing it. Absolutely love him here. No worries with rostering him. While 7,600 for Drew Holiday. I think the DraftKings pricing guys have uh, have still think that the Drew is on a 30-minute limit because he isn't. He's playing 35 a night, and he is absolutely crushing that number. So all about Drew Holiday there. Ravishing Rick Rubio at 5,900. Came back from that hamstring tightness. Only played 20 minutes. I'd only be looking at Rav as a uh, as a GPP option, while Lord Alfred Payton, just a, a consistent 30-point guy at the moment. So at 5,700, we feel relatively okay about him. The other GPP guy we have to look at is Frank Jackson, 3,300. Production is up. Minutes are up, averaging 24 in 27 minutes over the last three, which is more than enough at 3,300. Jingle and Joe also come out of the All-Star break really on fire. Ingles at 5,500. Love that for cash. Really, really strong floor for Ingles. While Kyle Korver at 3,300 is just a GPP guy, but with Neto out, it does improve his value. For the small forwards, Crowder at 4,200. I don't really feel massively strongly about him. Royce O'Neal at 36, similarly. Um, and then Darius Miller, Cephalosha, Kenrick Williams, not really feeling the value in any of them. At center, love Gobert. Now, he was disastrous last game, only 19 points, but he looked to bounce back in a matchup, which is hugely positive for centers, especially if Davis is out. I think this is a huge bounce back from Gobert at 79. Randall's at 82. 
rock-solid cash guy at the moment, while Davis at 67. You'll never see Anthony Davis at 6,700 really any any point again after this season. Um, even in 21 minutes a game, he's averaging 37 points, which is fine at 67, but the risk of him playing like 15 minutes or not playing at all makes him just a GPP guy. And even then a very, very tenuous one to have a, have a look at. Derek Favors is also crushing it, averaging 43 over the last three. And some of that is to, to do with our go bear struggles, giving him some extra minutes. So I don't think we really need to get too uh, too excited about favors, but that thousand dollar price jump on DraftKings takes away uh, a big chunk of his value. Well, check Diallo at forty one hundred. Even if Davis plays, he's averaging twenty seven over the last five, which is more than enough at forty one hundred. And if Davis is out, well, he pushes to thirty thirty five point upside. So I absolutely love check Diallo here significantly more than Jolly Local for on Fangio. Um, yeah, we've got the Don at 9,300, which is strong. I think Gobert at 10,3 is probably a little bit overpriced. Alfred Payton, I, I like that price. I like, uh, I dislike the 7,000 for Derek Favors. Uh, Drew at 9,200, probably one of the best cash floor guys at that sort of a salary. And Diallo at 48, really interested in him on Fangio. The next game, we look at the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. The Bucks ran out and absolutely destroyed. I wasn't saying disgraceful, but it wasn't disgraceful. Just the weirdest ass lineup of all time. Giannis at point guard and Chris Middleton at shooting guard with uh, Ilyasova, Maratic, and Brook Lopez in the front court. At this stage, we don't know the status of Bledsoe. We don't know the status of Brogdon. Sterling Brown could play. There's a lot up in the air here for Milwaukee. At point guard for the Suns, who are coming off that big win against the Lakers, Devin Booker's at 7,800. I uh, really like that for him. Strong, strong floor for cash upside as well. While Brogdon's at 5,900. Now that's going to depend on if he plays or if Bledsoe plays. If they both play, I think he's a good cash play. If Bledsoe's out, I think that's cash and tournaments for Brogdon. And as for Bledsoe at 6,500, uh, he should really smash through 40 points here and be a, an absolute lock. Of course, if he does play, which we just don't know at this point. Tyler Johnson has been absolutely putrid of late, averaging 19 points in the last three. He's at 5,000. He's a GPP guy only, but it's a negative matchup for him. At shooting guard, Paddy Connaughton's at 3,400. And if one of Bledsoe or Brogdon are out, at, or even uh, or Sterling Brown, he's been getting you 20 a night, Connaughton. Now, it's not much, but as a GPP upside guy, maybe, or even a, a cash guy to fill in around some high-priced players like Antetokounmpo, Connaughton's been producing relatively consistently. Ubre's at 5,900, love that for cash, maybe not so much for tournaments, while Bridges at 3,800, McCall Bridges, also giving us a consistent 22 to 25 a night and uh, you know, putting it up in, in multiple categories. So I think he is a safe-ish cash guy as well. Middleton at 6,900. Giggity! I think we have to feel pretty confident about what he's doing, especially if one of Bledsoe or Brogdon happened to be sidelined. Maratic is at 4,900. I would look to him as a GPP guy if someone is ruled out. Otherwise, I'm not super keen. Well, Josh Jackson, I'm definitely not keen in any sense of that word. At center, DeAndre Ayton's at 7,100. He bludgeoned the Lakers on the way to 50 points. I think this is another good opportunity for him against Brook Lopez to put up some decent numbers. As for Lopez at 55, absolutely adore this matchup for Lopez against Ayton. He should be putting up 30 relatively comfortably. Rashawn Holmes, Dragon Bender, who could start. Ilya Sova, not really going to get too into those guys. On Fangio, Yanni's at 12. Oh, Yanni, of course, if he plays, is, is a decent play on DraftKings. He's a, a good GPP guy. On, uh, on Fangio at 12-2, Aiton at 8-2, I like a lot. And Tyler Johnson at that 51. We're looking for a bounce-back GPP performance. 
I think Brook, uh, Booker and Lopez both come in pretty well, as does Bledsoe at 7,400. Next game is the Knicks and the Kings. The Knicks were pounded by the Clippers on Sunday. It's a back-to-back for them. The Kings are 12.5-point favorites. The total, 231.5. This could be absolutely brutal for them. We don't know the status of Frank Nilakina or DeAndre Jordan, who have missed, or Jordan's missed the last two or three. Nilakina's been out for about the last year and a half, I think. Um, of course, if Jordan is out, it does boost the value of Mitchell Robinson a little bit, but then we're just going to get random guys come in. Are we going to get Luke Cornett play because he'd been out of the rotation, then he played 20 minutes on Sunday? Vonley, what happens to Lance Thomas, Henry Allenson? Just nonsense bullshit that happens all across this rotation on a consistent basis. At least it's consistently inconsistent. At point guard, Darren Foxy Fox, 7,500. Absolutely love the floor, love the ceiling. Massive play for me here. Well, Dennis Smith and Manuel Moutier, hard to use Smith at the moment. Moutier at 4,900. I think that's a really interesting GPP guy. He's getting minutes over Smith, which makes no sense, but he's doing it. And we've got to at least uh, uh, consider that for GPP. Same for Alonzo Trier at 4,300. Of course, Marvin Bagley's out for the Kings as well at shooting guard. That does help Bogdan Bogdanovich. 5,600 for Bogdan. He should be looking at 30-plus here as a starting small forward. Big on him. While Budrick Heald at 7,000, that is a very, very sexy price for the old Budster. Uh, really like him for cash and tournaments. Corey Brewer, Damo Dotson. Dotson's just a GPP guy. And then you go to the small forwards. The pencil Harrison Barnes at 5,100. I don't like the upside, but I think that the cash floor for him is okay here in this scenario. While the fort Kevin Knox, you couldn't have been any worse than he has been over the last couple. 15-point average over the last three as he is really, really struggling. The big man, Gilesy, 4,100. He's giving us 20 a night. It's high usage, but he's doing it. I think he's not a bad cash play, but there are probably better ones out there. While Corley Stein, up $2,800 allegedly on uh, on DraftKings, up to 5800 But the minutes should push up for Corley Stein with Bagley out. And I do think that he is a, a good option here. Mitchie Robinson's at 64. Happy to use him, no problem. While DeAndre Jordan wouldn't be using him in his first game back. Bielitsa found himself back in the rotation last game. Hard to uh, really trust him. While Vonley had a, a comfortable 40 points against the Clippers, but I don't feel comfortable considering him a cash option given what uh, given what Fizz can do. Allenson's at 4,000. He went from big game to a seven-point game. And then Luke Cornett chimed in with 23 against the Clippers. Just throw one of those guys into your tournament pool. You wouldn't want both or you want, wouldn't want them in the same lineup. But it could happen for either of them. It could be Lance Thomas playing 30 minutes. As per usual, nobody knows what Fizdale is going to do because, shockingly, he doesn't either. On to the Fangel side of things. I like a lot here. Heald, Fox, Robinson, Corley Stein, Bogdanovich, even Barnsley at 5,700. 4,900 for Giles. He's probably a little bit too high, but there is some GPP value in him. Same with Manny Moutier at 5,800. The last game of the night, we're looking at the Clippers and the Lakers, the Battle of Staples Center. The Clippers on a back-to-back after smashing the Knicks. They are four-point underdogs. The Lakers, four-point favorites. They desperately need this win, the Lakers. It's do or die for them, it feels like. 237.5 is the total here. Wilson Chandler and Luke Marmute, both unsure if they're going to play. They're not going to have massive impacts regardless. At point guard, Rajon Rondo's at 5,500. Dreadful last game. Big games uh, numbers-wise that the two prior, even though I don't think he played very well on court. Just a GPP guy. While Brandon Ingram, absolutely crushing it. 6,600 for Ingram. Really love what he's doing. Happy to use him in both formats. 
Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I think we've got to consider him a cash guy. It's trending in the right direction, 27-minute average over the last three. A lot more faith being shown by Doc, a lot more aggression being shown by Shea. At sub-4,000, I really like Gilgis-Alexander here. Then you've got Louis Williams at 6,800, who's been playing pretty well and does well against the Lakers. The numbers recently are a bit down, but he's 42 average the last three times against the Lakers would at least lead me towards utilizing him. At shooting guard, Reggie Bullock at 4,300. I'm not sure if uh, Luke Walton's going to play him the 30 minutes or is going to misuse him. I'm going to go with misuse. Hard to uh, really have too much trust in him. Garrett Temple, Josh Hart, KCP, the same. Well, Landry Shamit's been rock solid, actually on fire. At $4,000, Shamit is a nice GPP guy, but if the shots don't go in, he offers you absolutely nothing else. The future MVP, Kyle Kuzma, 6,200. Been pretty disappointing the last couple of games, but this is a really positive matchup for him. If he starts at center, we we don't know if they're going to go with McGee or Kuzma at center, but I'd like him as a GPP guy. Well, LeBron James, LeBron James. 11,200. Love what he's doing. Just 60 points consistently. Really think he is a, a strong, strong cash play here. The Rooster, Danilo Gallinari, has been a bit under what we need him to be as well. And if Chandler and Marmute are out, I think Jermichael Green giving us 20 to 25 points a night is a strong enough cash option. At center, McGee's at 38. You definitely want to consider him a GPP guy. He had 32 last game, and I think there's a chance that he starts again. And we know Centers against the Clippers put up huge numbers, so that's a big opportunity for McGee. If it's Zubats against his former team, he's at 4,600. He's giving us 28 a night over the last three, but really not big minutes. Uh, centers against the Lakers also go bananas. I think Zubats is an interesting GPP guy, while Montrez Harrell's at 6,300. He could really match up when the Lakers go small. Also think he's a tournament guy. I don't really think any of these centers, unless we hear McGee is starting, are cash plays. Um... Over on Fangio, Shea at 4,300 looks strong. LeBron at 12,4. Zubat's again that GPP option. Same with Kuzma at 7,000. And McGee, who has an absolutely tasty matchup at 4,400. It's all going to depend on if we get any word on what Walton is doing with that lineup. But of course, uh, Walton's lineup decisions have been the source of much mirth and criticism all season. Let's look at some studs and value plays on DraftKings. My stud is, uh, is Kyrie Irving. And uh, not Kyrie Irving. That is the uh, that is absolutely the wrong one there. So I will uh, I will just uh, adjust that. My DraftKings stud should have been LeBron James, and my value play is Bogdan Bogdanovich. My Fangio stud is LeBron as well, and my Fangio value is Will Corley Stein. That'll wrap it up for today's podcast, guys. Make sure you go and follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and the network network at LockedOnNBANet on Twitter and on Instagram. And make sure you are telling your smart device in your car to play whatever your favorite Locked On podcast network is, apart from this show. Go and uh, get your second favorite Locked On show and get that played right to your car speakers. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
Mario Hazonia.